Let me just make sure my levels are good. Welcome. All right, that's Jesus, good. that was terrifying. That was good. All right. <clears throat> oh, we got to um, count down. Ready? Three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we take your favorite pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I'm your host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. the pseudo-intellectual soy boy, a.k.a. comrade soy boy, a.k.a. Hot Toys great-great-great-grandson. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Ty. Hey, I'm very excited for this episode. Dude, I am as well. And if you're excited to hear it, please make sure that you like and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube. And uh, whatever podcatcher of choice you have, just rate, review, and subscribe. It helps us out quite a bit. Even if you're not listening to the episode, subscribe. That way you download. That, that, the downloads help. The downloads help. Um, but uh, Ty, wh- why are you so excited for this film? Because I picked it. Uh, and it also happens to be That's pretty fair. a, uh, I think, a really interesting story. Um, it's it's uh, not in English, which I thought was cool, you know, because all the other films we did were in English. And uh, it tells a really, really interesting story that I think we can pick apart um, history and some things that still happen today. Yeah, so I had no idea what it was about. You were just like, it's going to be good. <laughs> I just realized that we even said what the name of the movie was. And I was like... <laughs> 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 I was just like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, I was like yeah, sure, let's... Uh... Let's watch it, but um, but but wow, yeah. This um, I, I remember joking with you and saying, "Why don't we do this for Columbus Day?" Because it would have been appropriate then as well. Uh, but but we are doing uh, even the rain originally titled "Tambien la lluvia," and it is uh, it's it's the is this the final film we're doing or? Yeah, I think uh, this is the last left? one left of uh, November. So we um, we're yeah, ca- wow. we're capping yes. out our Indigenous uh, Spotlight Month with even the rain. You said it better than I ever could, Ty. That's right. We are capping out our indigenous spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> Even the rain. You just added out my version and use yours. <laughs> like, like, you gotta stop like, taking my words and reusing them, man. You're not even gonna make the outtakes, you fucking hack. Okay? <laughs> what do you think this is? Uh, and if, if you think this is wild, just wait till we start posting all of our comedy ideas that we'll never ever get to film. We have so many, form <laughs> so on, many on the Patreon, guys. It's gonna it's gonna be a fun time. And guys, if you haven't checked it out yet, please head to the Patreon. Uh, I'm currently making the audio booch available to all tiers for a limited time, not wow. just the nine dollar tier. So you too uh, can learn how to survive anything anywhere. Uh, a handbook of survival skills for every scenario and environment. We have chapter three being uploaded this week. We're doing nice. one chapter every week. Uh, chapter one, Ty, in case you were wondering, was uh, survival psychology. Chapter two was survival clothing. And chapter three was what your survival kit should have. 
I am excited to become a Patreon subscriber so I can get access to these. It's the only way he'll let me. Uh, but I am excited. I gave you, I gave you the password of the username. Just sign in and listen to this stuff. <laughs> it's right there. You got oh yeah, it. yeah. You get, you get, you get, you get that access, dude. All this nice. power, nice that you, that you might be drunk with. Um, but yeah, wow, what a film. So, so I guess bef- before we we head into it, my I'm getting a call from my ancestors from the Taínos of Hispaniola, Ty. And do you know what what it's saying? Are they warning you of spoilers? My word, they are warning me of spoilers. That's correct. The spoiler alert is in full effect. If you have not yet seen Even the Rain, uh, please make sure that you you go and watch it. And normally I'm like, eh, fuck it. You know, if you don't feel like it, just, just you know, spoilers and then listen to the podcast. But honestly, this is such a good movie. Watch it. Pause this right now. Go watch it and then come back and listen to to our our deep dive. Well, it's going to be Ty's deep dive and my shallow dive. <laughs> uh, it's probably the the deep the deepest film that I think we've probably done this month. Uh, we've done some good stuff, but I think this one was was definitely the more the most serious of all of them. Don't you dare besmirch Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. Ever Yellowstone was pretty intense. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nothing deeper than the struggles of Casey's wife Monica. Let's talk about Casey though. No. Um, <laughs> but uh but yeah, so uh so with that spoiler alert in effect, how about we move into the movie? Ty, you want to give him the plot? Yeah. 2010's Even the Rain. As the director and his crew shoot a controversial film about Christopher Columbus in Cochabamba, Bolivia, local people rise up against plans to privatize the water supply. Boom. And just setting some context before we even even move into this, uh, a lot of you should know that this is an actual event that had happened. Uh I mean, so it's kind of historical fiction, as in like them shooting the film. But the the events that are happening at the forefront of the film with the water protectors and everything actually happen. I'm going to read a little excerpt uh, from an article that Beautiful. is uh, is linked to in the show notes. It says, in 1997, the World Bank forced the Bolivian government to privatize its water system in the city of Cochabamba as a condition for a loan package. Cochabamba is Bolivia's third most important city with a population of 600,000 people. After two years in 1999 and a secret ballot in the fall, the Bolivian government approved law 2029 that gave the monopoly of water resources to the international consortium Aguas del Tunari, led by the American company Bechtel, the Spanish Abengoa, and four Bolivian companies as shareholders. The law was so abusive that in its Article 76, it did not allow the people of Cochabamba to collect water of cisterns or water from rain without a license. Uh, long story short, they won. Uh, yeah. They, yep. And, you know, just like we'll go into in, uh, when we discuss this movie, but, uh, yeah, there was an actual event, I believe, uh, it was called the, the First Water War of the 21st Century, it's been titled, at least in the article that, that I've linked to here, and... Um, you know, I was blown away by that, by the fact that they actually won, because I was like, yeah, I could totally see this happening. Um, but, but how did, how did they win? You know, they, they, they rose up, right? They protested. Um, people were killed and injured. But uh, again, it seems like protest is the only way to, you know, to actually fight back. Um, there was no other avenue for them to explore to, to get, get this uh, victory. Yeah, but were there targets back then? That's the question. <laughs> yeah. If no targets, you know, no harm, no foul. You yeah, I mean? I mean, as long as targets safe, we're all good, right? Yeah, you know, that's, that's what I've always said. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, absolutely right. And I think that that's an important part of this. Let's uh, let's talk about Daniel real quick because he is he's one of the most, if not the most uh, prominent and important character of the film. Uh, he was one of the one of the natives of uh, of Cochabamba to show up to an open casting call for this Christopher Columbus film that's being shot in Bolivia, um, which is not where uh, Christopher Columbus originally landed. No. But we, they, we get into that in a little bit, too, as far as how, how they feel about historical accuracy. But, right. Uh, but, yeah, Daniel is is one of the local workers who's, whose daughter originally wanted to be in the film. I, I don't think he showed any interest initially. No, he was bringing um, her there to get her an audition. <laughs> Yeah, but his his uh, his his tenacity and attitude uh, made him the perfect casting for uh, Hatui, who historically was a Taino chieftain who fought back against the Spaniards on uh, Hispaniola, and then later in life he actually went to Cuba to warn the Tainos uh, there about about Spanish uh, imperialism. And uh, I, I, so I didn't know about any of this at all. And when I was looking more up on YouTube about about Hatue, there was most of the videos had scenes from this movie in it because I guess like it's either it's very accurate in the way they depict it, or it's one of the few uh, like media resources they have to depict what happened uh, with his rebellion. That that it made it into all of these YouTube videos. Did you did you know about any of this or no? Before the movie, no, I didn't. No, neither did I. And and technically, like you know, Hispaniola becomes the Dominican Republic, so that's like that's like my history. And uh, and I mean, I barely know anything about about you know United States history, and I have a fucking degree in it. So, um, <laughs> and uh, and actually, speaking of that history, real quick, I know I mentioned in a few episodes I've been listening to the audiobook of People's History of the United States, which uh, is written by Howard Zinn and starts off with Columbus, quote unquote, discovering the New World. And uh, this movie is dedicated to his memory after he passed away. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so I was like, I was like, oh crap! I was like, memory of Howard Zinn, get the fuck out of here. Um, and uh, but yeah, so 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 Daniel kind of ends up being the perfect casting for Hatui. But while in his real life, outside of acting, he is he's fighting this fight against. I believe the name of the company is multinational. Yes, and they're trying to privatize uh, Cochabamba's water. And he they're is, not even from kind of they're not even it. from Bolivia, right? That company I think they said is uh, from California. Yeah, London and California based. So like, you know, they're fighting international uh, forces from taking over their water supply. And um, this. Not only did this actually happen in Cochabamba, like I mentioned, but it was also very reminiscent to me of uh, Coca-Cola's activity. Are you familiar with any of their stuff or no? Uh, a little bit, but not in great detail. Yeah. So uh, so I'll, once again, another article is linked in the show notes, but I'm just going to read a small excerpt from it uh, when it talks about Coca-Cola's bottling plant that was put in the village of Caladera in uh, Rajasthan. At the end of 1999, same year that uh, that the Cochabamba Water War was kicking off. Um, God, it sounds so much more fun than it than it was. Yeah, it does. Because God damn, what a great name for for a place. Funny funny anyway. story in Thailand, they do a day where they all shoot each other with water guns um, for the whole day. So it almost sounds like that, but uh, it was not as much fun though. Ooh, the Cochabamba Water War. <laughs> yeah, oh, what are you? <laughs> it sounds like a community episode. <laughs> um, something they would they would they would collect money for to give to COVID relief. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, so it says local villagers testify that Coca-Cola's arrival exacerbated an already precarious situation. Official documents from the government's water ministry show that water levels remained stable from 95 until 2000 when the Coca-Cola plant became operational. Water levels then dropped by almost 10 meters over the following five years. Locals feel Caladera could become a dark zone, the term used to describe areas that are abandoned due to depleted water resources. Hmm. And Coca-Cola has done this in multiple countries. So, you know, when we, we're talking about imperialism here, we're talking about capitalistic imperialism and colonization as well. And while this movie isn't specific toward, uh, you know, your typical Native Americans of North America, uh, this is, you know, more about the, the natives of, of South America. And I mean... The Columbus's story is pretty much how the history of the United States starts, even in the, even in the people's history books. So, uh, you know, I th- I think it is very important. And also, Monica mentioned it in the you know when we were talking in the Yellowstone episode. Like, you know, he's credited as the guy who discovered the United States, even though he never fucking stepped foot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um. But yeah. So so Daniel's big issue is that he is caught up in the middle of this water war, and they're asking him to to choose between his role in the film because he is such an important part of it and he can't be locked up, he can't be beaten, um, or staying true to his people because, I mean, realistically, when the the movie's going to come in and the movie's going to leave and it's just going to be a blip on the radar of their history. Like, you know, what's what they do regarding this water fight today is what matters. It matters a lot more than, than the movie. What, what do you have to add to this about Daniel? Yeah, so I think Daniel's probably the most interesting character in the film. Um, you know, he he grabs the attention of Sebastian, the director, immediately, and uh, the executive producer uh, Costa. I don't know if it's Costa or Costa. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but um, yeah, you could say it either way. I think yeah, it's, uh, Costas. I think Costas, Costa, right? He, Costa, Costa. Okay, he um, <laughs> he <laughs> he he's very much against casting Daniel, right? Like he can t- he can tell right away that he's going to be trouble because. Just from from that moment when they're on the line waiting for the auditions, and they tell the people, you know, we're not going to be able to see anybody else. You know, he kind of starts a, a resistance right there, right? He gets everyone fired up, and he won't take no for an answer. And while you know he's perfect for this role, um, I think you know Kosa realized that he's going to be very difficult to work with, uh, and and it starts an interesting relationship um, between them as the film progresses. But yeah, Dan, you know, Daniel's not in it. He didn't even come here to be in the movie. He's not looking for fame and fortune. Uh, he just wants, you know, the bare minimum for his people. You know, he's very much, uh, in, you know, an honorable man trying to trying to do what he what he at least believes is right. Uh, and he even says at one point, you know, when uh, Costa asks him to to step down, he says some things are more important than money. You know, when he's trying to throw cash at him and say, you know, don't don't get involved. We'll give you ten thousand. And he says, you know, some things are, are more important than money, and that's that's true for him. Uh, you know, getting this water and, and getting the rights for his people um, is just, is is very vital. And, and I think it was really no. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, it was really amazing to see somebody actually walk the walk too. Like he would, you know. You would normally see this being a story about somebody selling out, but but like no, he you know he was in it, man. Like he didn't compromise his morals. No, not at all. It's uh, it, it's pretty awesome to see. Um, and, and and you know, just in general, I think this movie takes a really interesting 
way of telling the story. You know, they could have focused just on the water war. They could have focused on, you know, Columbus's story, but instead they tell the the story of, of them making a movie about Christopher Columbus while this is happening, you know, where they're filming. So it, it, uh, it gets, I think it has a great job of kind of comparing and contrasting what happened back then with the events that are occurring, you know, more in present day. Um, and it does it for the most part pretty successfully and really shows you that a lot of the same issues that these people faced, you know, these natives faced back then are still very much relevant today. Yeah, it was a, it was a really really great comparison that they did. You know, it it made me it made me uncomfortable in a few places, uh, partially because it's kind of like all right, like watching you know even though you know they're like way back, but you know like technically watching my ancestors go go through these things, which I already you know I already knew that you know there are mothers who drowned their babies. I already knew that there are people who died uh you know after bleeding out because they got their hands cut off because they didn't give enough gold like i already knew about that stuff but to see it like visually represented uh was a whole other thing but uh the other thing that made me uncomfortable is that these scenes that we're seeing we know that they're actors portraying these scenes like we know that that they're actors performing these scenes so um like they they like I saw stuff and I kind of got worried for the actors because it obviously didn't it didn't look like it was behind the scenes stuff it looked like people who were being hurt actually were being hurt and I was like oh like how did they do the you know are these practical effects like stuff like yeah you know after making a movie you think about it from that perspective it's a, it's an interesting point too because there's that part where where they do uh, try to shoot this scene where the mothers drown their babies and the director Sebastian trying to explain to these people that. Um, it's safe. You know, they're not going to actually have to put their babies under the water. They just have to step in uh, with the babies and um, pretend. And then it's going to yeah. be out. And then they're going to use dolls and they won't do it. Um, they they refuse to because, you know, they won't put their children even in the, the slightest possibility of being injured here. Um, and I, I'm sorry, this is actually where Daniel said some things are more important. Uh, I think. Or he says, Daniel, some things, uh, some things are more important than your film when when uh, Sebastian says he wants to shoot the scene. He says, some things are more important than your film. And just he like repeats that. Uh, and then they, they leave, right? They won't shoot the scene. And I think Costa says, let's just move on. Let's do the next scene. Um, because I think throughout the film, we see the director, Sebastian. He, you know, he, he kind of, you know, I think feels for these people. But at the same time, nothing's more important than getting his movie done. Um, and, and whenever, you know, it comes to a moment where he has to choose between the scene he wants to shoot and the lives and importance of these people, he always chooses the film. Um, but Daniel will always choose his people. So it's a, an interesting way of looking at, you know, them compared. Oh, yeah. I mean, this this movie is liberalism in effect, right? Because, yeah. Yep. You know, you have people who uh, they want to they want to shoot a movie that talks uh, very honestly about Christopher Columbus. Like they believe that they are like breaking new ground here, like they are shattering people's minds by creating this film, this this piece of art. Uh, but, you know, they are cutting corners wherever they can. And part of that is, you know, because of Costa in the beginning, he's very much like. Uh, you know, like we could, you know, we could pay certain people cheaper and, you know, all natives are the same. It doesn't matter that we're shooting in Bolivia and, and using, you know, using these natives instead of using actual, you know, Tainos or people of Taino heritage. Like, um, you know, he, you know, he even says at one point, you can, you know, you can give them $2 a day and they, and they feel like kings. Like, 
Like they are still exploiting these people the way that Columbus exploited the natives in Hispaniola and, exactly. and all throughout South America. And um, that was actually noted pretty well by Roger Ebert. I know that I used a review of his while we were discussing Pocahontas. So I decided why not do the same thing for this one. And um, and he has, he has a pretty good outline of, of the film there. You know, you can go to in the show notes and sources, read the whole thing yourself. Um, but uh, he has this very interesting sign-off <laughs> when, he, when he says it. And he says, the performance by Luis Tosar as the producer is confident and sturdy. I believe that producer being Costa. Yeah. And he says, uh, Gael Garcia Bernal, who uh, was the director in the movie Sebastian, is wimpy and not clearly defined, but that's in the nature of the character. The movie is brave to raise the questions it does, although at the end I looked in vain for a credit saying no extras were underpaid in the making of this film. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I so, like... so did I. I was like, oh, That's shit. pretty because, cool. Like, I mean, it's true though, right? Like, I mean, in the oh, movie, yeah. Costa says he picked this place because it's full of starving natives, and that means thousands of extras, right? Uh, and um, there's even that that moment where uh, Sebastian and Costa they they go, and I I don't know if it's supposed to be like the governor or the or the mayor or, or someone along those lines, but you know, he's welcoming to their to their city, and uh, you know, he's he's like getting them drinks and stuff, and they're mingling. Yeah, um, he's the I called him the Latino Giuliani. <laughs> Something about his look, bro. He looks so much like Giuliani to me. Oh my uh, yeah, god, that's yeah, the hilarious. Shitty politician, but yeah, yeah. He, you know, he talked. He, he's talking about how resources are scarce and you need money from other countries. That's why they have to, you know, privatize the water. Um, and I think Sebastian says, like, you know, if you raise the uh, the 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 cost of water three hundred percent, how can these people pay it at two dollars a day? And he turned around and says, you know, well, that's curious because from what I understand, you're paying your extras $2 a day. And Sebastian says, well, you know, uh, the budget's tight. And, and you know, Giuliani <laughs> says, you know, is, isn't it for all of us, right? Um, and it's actually Costa yep. who's like, well, you know, maybe you could do something. You can help us out. Like, kind of, why don't you loosen up on them? And, uh, you know, he responds, you, you can't give an inch or they'll drag us back to the Stone Age. And I thought that was such an, an interesting scene that whole you know that whole that whole part because it's just constantly, you know, like, like you said the classic liberal thing. Sebastian's like, you know, how can they pay that on two dollars a day? Well, you're paying them two dollars a day. What are you What are you doing to improve their lives? You didn't come in here and go, yeah, I'll give can't... you guys six dollars a day to be extras, right? You know, he it, it's yeah, you're uh, perpetrating the same stuff. You just don't like that somebody else is doing it. Yep. You know, you like. And and so that what I loved about this film was how meta it was and the idea uh, and the theme of like being exploitative. You're trying to produce a movie that has a message that'll raise awareness of uh, a history of marginalization of of natives peoples, but meanwhile there are people being being decimated right in front of you, people that are being victimized right in front of you. And honestly, as as the production team coming into that location, you have so much more power than you think you do. Like, and, and in some ways they flexed it. And in some ways they didn't like, right. they played a very political game. They tried to be like, Oh, maybe you could do something, but they didn't really push that hard. And I, and I thought that that was, that was so interesting. And I love the characters in this movie because when you said Daniel is probably the most interesting character, 
I respectfully uh, disagree with you in that just because, you know, like there are. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much complications. Costa is definitely one of them. And also so is Sebastian, though, because everyone ends up in a different place than where they started. And it's wild to have that arc for so many different characters. That's true. That's very true. And, um, you know, and I I really like that. Daniel doesn't actually change. You know, he stays who he was from the beginning. Um, I think, you know. He calls uh, Costa white white face in the beginning, right? He, he, and they clearly don't like Fuck each yeah, other. He does. And at yeah. the end, he's hugging him and thanking him. So you know, I guess that that's a little bit of his his uh, his journey. But yeah, you're no, that's 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 very true. Um, yeah, he, he gave him some yucca at the yeah. end, which was which was beautiful. And, and what I think is so great is uh, there's there's several times where they actually highlight you know the crew kind of abusing. Um, the native people, right? There's the part where Costa uses the natives to actually put up the cross uh, instead of using cranes and a professional crew, which Sebastian does call him out on, you know, at a point. And directors, you know, uh, he is a director and he's like, someone could have gotten hurt. Costa's like, it's fine. We saved so much money doing this. You know, it's it's constantly cutting those corners. Um, What else? There was even this scene where where they're all doing the uh, table read. And uh, the actor playing Christopher oh, yeah. Columbus, right? Who's who's actually a really interesting character as well. Um, oh, absolutely! I actually yeah. don't know what his name was in this film, unfortunately. Uh, Anton, Anton. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm. Anton. He, um, so he's like he's to me. He seemed like he was the big name actor that they got for this film, right? He's the one that they that they used to like kind of headline it a bit. Because uh, Costa even says it at one point, like without you, we're fucked, right? Yeah, he's there, Daniel Day Lewis. Um, yeah, so you know Anton, he's he's doing the read, and he really gets into character, and he's he, everyone's getting up and they're walking around, and he walks up to, uh, you know, this woman who who's just working there. I think she was serving food, right, for them. She must have worked for like the catering company or whatever was there. And yeah, she was part of craft services. Yeah, and he does yeah. like this whole thing where he like grabs her earring because it you know it looks like it's gold, and he does this whole scene. Yeah, he goes big method. Yeah, and you know, it, and he's like, oh, you know, us actors, we're we're so over the top. Like you know, he and he apologizes and gives it back to her, but like looking at her face, kind of really upset me watching that scene, you know, because she's just she's just putting up with it, um, and I think that's what made me the saddest because like. You know, if somebody were to touch your face that you didn't know or, or you know, take something that belongs to you, you know, you would immediately try to like jump up and stop them. And she doesn't even say anything. You know, she stands there and she takes it. She, you know, she barely, you know, uh, moves at all. Um, and she just kind of like gives that, you know, awkward like half smile when he gives it back. Uh, and that really, really upset me, you know. And um, I, I think he didn't mean it in a way to disrespect her, but it's kind of that classic like almost a liberal thing right like where where hey i'm one of the good guys so it's okay you know i can i can do and say these things yep you get like like you know like my whole crusade recently right you can slut shame melania trump because you know you're on the right side for context like a lot of people have been have been doing that you've been calling them out on it right yeah, yeah, I haven't been a fan of, of the liberal response being like, oh, you know, Jill Biden is a Jill Biden is a is a doctor. She's an academic. While Melania Trump was a naked model, and it's like, listen, like, I get that Melania Trump sucks for a lot of reasons, like, but there's no reason to slut shame anybody because, like, as feminists, as progressives, like, it's not okay when they do it. It shouldn't be okay when we do it. But you know, but that's 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 something uh, you know I'm saving for a house <laughs> housekeeping right, right, episode. Right. But um, but yeah, it's, it's it's great that you bring this this scene up because 
you know, what I saw from it was the person who seemed really uncomfortable by it was the male co-worker of, uh, of that woman. Yeah. You know, after she, uh, she has her earring taken from her. And the movie does a really great job, in my opinion, of uh, showing what happened. But the way in which they do it is they might show a scene that they're actually filming, like something that's going to make it into the movie. And and Anton is in full Christopher Columbus makeup and and Daniel is in his full uh, hot toy makeup uh, makeup. Um, but also they'll show you scenes of rehearsals like the table read you just mentioned um, or uh, or the rehearsal they have in the church where, you know, they're having that whole speech where um, uh, Bartolome de las Casas is there. And who was the other guy? Do you have his name offhand? The uh, character I he don't, unfortunately. I'm sorry. OK, he, he played one of the other Dominican priests uh, that that, you know, was was uh, not sent to to any of those islands. uh for for anything good but ended up empathizing with with the the natives at some point later on um but anyway the point is is that you know like even during that scene he's giving this amazing speech about you know about how the natives should be should be more in control of their own lives and blah 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 and while he's giving it all of the workers who are actually putting up the church who are natives of you know of Bolivia they they are completely silent and there's a lot of that going around that even even when it's people trying to tell accurate history, it's still somebody else telling the history of, of marginalized people. Because these these guys are are Spanish, I believe. Right? Yeah, like, they're, they're from well, Spain. They're from Spain. They're obviously very white, com- you know, compared to uh, these, yeah. these very, you know, native looking people that they're they're working with. Yeah. And uh, I also want to note that. Uh, that Sebastian makes it a point to choose individuals who have very exaggerated features as the natives. There are a lot, you know, in his movie, there are a lot of people who come to this open casting call uh, looking for money. But, you know, he goes with the individuals who might have larger teeth, larger noses, more pronounced brows, cheekbones, um, you know, jutting chins, things like that. You know, meanwhile, there, you know, there are people who have, who have less, uh, less drastic uh, features on their faces. But, you know, I think that also shows his own uh, inner call colonizer while he is once again he's trying to do something that he believes is good and important he himself is still choosing to portray the natives in this way he himself is still bringing his own biases to this um but yeah constantly having the the natives whether it's in the past or in the present not really be able to speak uh on the on the matters that that are affecting them i thought that that was used to great effect and i really love that they did it that they did it sometimes as a scene, sometimes as a rehearsal, sometimes as a table read. And, it, you know, I I thought that that was awesome. And then, um, you know, juxtaposing it with with the with the water war, I, I thought was was a uh, was a bold move. And once again, I didn't even know that it that it was real. So, yeah, that was yeah. some great observations. Awesome. But, yeah, I think, you know, Sebastian's thing is he's trying to stay as authentic, right, to to the, to the experience as possible. Like he's the one that demanded they filmed it in all Spanish. Right. Uh, Costa wanted to film it in English. Cause he said we would have gotten double the money and double the audience. I think he says, um, I mean, he's not wrong. No, he's not, you know, but Costa's like, no, we're filming it in Spanish, you know? Uh, and I think a lot of, um, the, the actors, you know, playing these, these indigenous people aren't even speaking Spanish, right? They're speaking what their native language, uh, you know, would be in that area. Forgive me. You know, I'm not yes. sure. You know, but I thought that was pretty impressive too. So there's like, there's little touches where you're like, okay, like I see, you know, you're, you're trying to, you think you're doing the right thing, right? You think you're trying to, trying to do the right thing. Cause I, I, you know, it, it, even jumping ahead a little bit later on, you know, Sebastian says, 
um, you know, this this is just like uh, th- this event will be forgotten, right? Uh, it, it'll end, it'll be forgotten, but our movie will live on forever. You know, as as, as so like, funny, right? Yeah. Like these events are literally happening uh. before his eyes. People are dying. They have a chance to help, and he's like, "Our movie's more important." This movie about Christopher like, Columbus, you know, that's the same mentality of people being like, "Oh, like two hundred fifty thousand people died in twenty twenty of COVID nineteen, you know, and that sucked." But like, Wonder Woman eighty four, you know, <laughs> like they made it happen, man, and that's that's the real triumph, like. That's that's the same mentality. And um and while we are talking about Sebastian and Costa, we do see that Sebastian is the one who kind of does follow his passion a little more and while he does seem outwardly to be the more compassionate of the of the of the two, you know, main, you know, head, heads of this movie, showrunners, I know it's not the proper term, but um <laughs> he you know, he he shows his values are with the movie. Like even his own actors, he won't keep 100% safe because it's it's the movie he cares about. Um, but meanwhile, Costa, who is the who is the pinch uh, the penny pinching one, he's the one who who decides to bribe Daniel to to keep him out of the protests. That way, they can finish making the movie. He also becomes very close to Belen, uh, who is the daughter of Daniel. And at first, my mind went to the worst place because these guys, I know they're Spanish filmmakers, but they are representing very Hollywood ideals in the oh. way they're represented, I think. And um, and yeah, I, I like went to Weinstein territory. I'm like, yo, this guy is, you know, taking advantage of Daniel's daughter while she's on film. Because, you know, there's a scene where she has like her arm around him and stuff. But it turns out that they actually just got to know each other really well. And that's what changed him. Like he yeah. he is is put in a position by the end of the film where he has to nut up or, or, or shut up, where he is the only person who has the resources that that you know the, and these resources are afforded to the production team and not to any of the people in Bolivia to keep them safe from the uprising that's happening right now and and he's the only person who can who can help Daniel's daughter and get her get her some medical help get her to safety and um he's the only person who does it well when i say he's the only person who can i mean anybody on the film crew can but he's the only one who who does it he puts his money where his mouth yeah, is and actually yeah. and actually steps up and i thought that was a really a really beautiful moment it, yeah it's a great scene cuz you know he's the one that's trying to get them all on the road so they can finish filming you know and she, and and daniel's wife is like begging him for help you know and he's like i'll send somebody and she's like they'll never make it they can't get through like you have the resources to do it and she's like you're you're our friend you know, and and I think that really hits him when she says that, and he's you know he's like, I, you know I am the only one that could probably save her at this moment. Um, you know she's literally bleeding out. He's told, and Sebastian doesn't want him to go. Right? Sebastian tells him the movie's more important. He can't go in there, uh, and, and, but he does anyway. He he does anyway. He chooses to go um, and, and do the right thing at at the cost of the film. What's also interesting is how Sebastian kind of ends up being the only one at the end who 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 sticks by the film. Like even the actors, you know, when they see how terribly the the local police are treating everyone, you know, uh, just ab- abusing abusing everyone and brutalizing them, they're like, "Yo, like we got to get out of here." They're afraid for their own lives. They're afraid for everyone else's lives. Yeah, and, I mean, they um, recognize. They're like, they're like, stop it, you bastards!" Like they're like screaming out the window and stuff, and. And Sebastian's like, stop, stop, right? Yeah, he just wants to keep quiet and get this fucking film done, bro. And uh, what you know, like, what a turn for him because he did seem to be that that wimpy character. And 
Uh, you know, I guess this, remember when we were talking about toxic masculinity that Steve represented in Dawn of the Dead during our October horror uh, retrospective. Like, it, you don't have to be like the big aggressive guy. Sometimes you could just be, you know, the little fucking snake that's selfish and only yes. looking out for yourself. And and that also is is very toxic behavior. And that's exactly. I, I mean, what absolutely. He I mean, Coase is definitely the tougher one, right? He's kind of the the more you know harder one, and he's he's the one that decides to do the right thing, you know, and, and, and help these people. And, um, you know, I, th- I thought it was interesting too, when, when they do get, uh, to Berlin, they, they go to get her to the hospital and, and someone tells him that he'll never be able to get through all the roads are blocked. And he says, you know, I will. And she's like, how he's like with money, you know, because money, money always talks and, you know, he has the money to, to pay off the police, um, to, to get her, you know, get her safe and anyone else who's injured. And we see money as a big part of this throughout the film. Uh, there's even a part where Daniel's arrested, right? And Costa actually, you know, bribes the police to let him go. And it's only temporary. They're, they're going to have to bring him back after the film is shot. Um, to which, of course, Sebastian's against at the time. Uh, and, and, you know, Costa's okay with it, it seems. But, you know, the, the, you know, if you have money, you, you have the power. And we, we just see that time and time again throughout the film. Can I talk about the bail real quick? Yeah. So yeah, in that moment, like even Costa tells him, he's like, he's like, you can tell him that the cops are going to come arrest him after. I thought he would have at least a little time to get the makeup off. They literally come. The honestly, the day hasn't even wrapped yet. I like, don't think they, they knew even, they were coming. <laughs> you don't think they knew? Oh, they probably didn't want to give him a chance. Yeah, because Costa looked surprised too. I, I was, think they were true, supposed to bring him back to the jail. Um, and I think the police were like, we can't trust that they're going to do that. So they came for him. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. I thought it was literally like Sebastian had the chance to tell him and then he just didn't. I just specifically, I want to talk about this moment where they're all at dinner. Yes, that's, that was one of my notes too. Yes. Yeah. Discussing the history of Columbus. Yeah. They get into it at dinner when, um, when Las Casas, I'm just going to call them by the people who they're playing in the movie within the movie um las casas is talking about his character las casas and uh and making him sound like this real hero but um anton the dude who's playing columbus is is talking about all of his shortcomings and and you know with multiple uh multiple historical figures everybody just starts going back and forth um about like how their legacies might have been tarnished by certain things they did, or even if you were a rebel, you still acknowledged the you know the rule of of the crown, and uh, and you still contributed to to the atrocities that were that were you know thrust upon these people. Um, I really I really like this this discussion, and it was interesting to see Anton, who seems to have such an objection to certain things, still be a part of this film. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um... I think they even asked him at one point why he's doing it. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if he, I don't really know why he's doing it. Still though, you know, I don't know if, if he really knew why. He, he obviously, you know, he's, he's a drunk and he, he has some issues. You know, there's a part where he goes to call his family, they won't answer. So, you know, I don't know if he thinks it's just, it, it's a message that he wants to tell, um, or you know, I know. He, at one point, he even brings up like trying to give like some nuance to Columbus and make him, you know, a little more interesting than just. Uh, this horrible man that came and killed everybody. But I thought it was great that he brought up all these, these points about these characters, you know, about how this father, this particular father wanted uh, black slaves and he had to deal with slave traders. Uh, you know, and he, he's discussing how these details are purposely being left out of the film. 
It's uh, what liberals do a lot of time with certain figures, um, uh, like uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg or uh, Obama or um, you know pr- pretty much any, even John McCain. Even John McCain, like they 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 f- conveniently forget all the horrible things that they did at one point and try to look at all the the, the good things they did, and it's like it washes the slate clean. Um, but it, it you know doesn't work like that, right? Like you you still have to admit their faults and and their sins because it's an important po- part of history and and of their of their character um but yeah and, and like you know anton continues he even calls out the actors themselves as they're you know they're asking these native people like how to say water in their language he's like how long are you really going to remember that for you know like he, he's just like you know stop with with the silly platitudes and you know these people can he says you could donate your food your leftovers and they could feed their family for a month you know, like he's calling out just the, the hypocrisy of the whole thing. He, he's very ballsy in that way, which once again, why be a part of it? But, um, you know, but I really like that. Once again, just another complicated character. Um, I don't really think she gets enough of an arc, which sucks. Uh, but Maria, she is the individual who's doing a lot of the BTS stuff. She's documenting the creation of the film and everything. Right. And, you know, she is one of the first to be like, we should really be documenting the, the water war. Uh, instead of just documenting what's going on behind the scenes of the film, and um, you know, she she pretty much stays stays the same from beginning to end. If you know, if if I can be so bold as to say that, I, I think she's a fine character. I wish they would have given her a little bit more, but um, but yeah, I really I really you know like the idea that yeah, she was you know, automatically she was empathizing with these people. Yep. You know, she's there when they're digging the the ditch for, for the water, and then you know the water company comes and tells them they're gonna. They're basically going to take it, and then they chase them off, you know. And she's like, kind of like, "Wow, this is this is big. I got to record this stuff and and uh, you know follow these events." It's she's like, you know, she even says, I think to Costa at one point, like, you know, this is a once in a lifetime thing. We have to capture their story. I also want to note that I caught it mostly with Anton, but when he's speaking as Columbus, um, I, I didn't catch it a lot with the others, but definitely with him, like you can tell they're speaking Spanish, Spanish. Yeah, and um. Like, you know, for, for those who may not know, uh, Spanish from Spain has, like, a lot of soft uh, letters that come across across almost as lisps. Like, so that's why, like, why, like Abitha is A-B-I-Z-A, but it's pronounced Abitha. And, like, you know, like, a lot of, a lot of his, you know, his, his words are, co- are coming out very soft. Like, you know, Spanish, like Spain Spanish. And I just, I just thought that was a great attention to detail. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, one, one cool thing that I, that I noticed is, uh, when Daniel's talking to his people about, you know, how they're going to deal with, uh, this, this company trying to take the water from them, he says they're going to vote and he calls them comrades. And I was like, fuck yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, what's so funny. I, I had a feeling that you would, um, you would mention that because he was, he was like, oh, like, uh, compañeros, compañeros, like comrades, comrades, um, I, I think it does like literally translate to like comrade. I'm not sure if it means like comrade, comrade. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's more like like you know like every you know everybody people come you know but, partners. But company. that being said, uh, you know it is a lot of these countries like you know Venezuela and stuff that are all the ones that are that are going towards you know uh, socialism. Um, it's been a big part of you know of the Americas uh, of many of the countries going that direction. Um, so Which, maybe um, maybe it was. 
which and I don't believe in this theory, but they say that bisexuality is just a bus stop on the you know the bus to Gay Town. I don't believe in that, but I'd say you know socialism is just a bus stop. You know, <laughs> on the ride to communist town. In a way, <laughs> that's right, communist city. <laughs> um, I have I have a question for you because this kind of came to me. Do you think an American version of this movie would be cool? No. Why not? Uh, because there's no victory at the end. And it would just, it would like, it would be a, a story that doesn't really have a. It would have to be fiction. Yeah, it would have to be fiction. You know, like anytime this happens here, it gets shut down and there's no, there's no hope. Well, you know what? We can make it about the Canadian natives that, that you just talked about yeah, last episode, right? Do that. And like at the end, they end up buying that, that, uh, fish, uh, plant or whatever it was. Um, Fish yeah, plant, like, fish plant, or whatever the fuck. What was it? it wasn't a fish plant. What the fuck was it? What's a what fish was plant? It? it was you know a fishing company, and they're. Uh, okay, I'm sure that they process wrong. fish at some sort of factory <laughs> plant. It's just a funny way to put it. It's fish plant. Anyway, no, but yeah, yeah, that's that's a pretty good point. Because I was thinking, I was like, you could literally do this with like a variety of different historical figures throughout the history of the United States because they are all Christopher Columbus in their own way. Right. And, you know, a variety of different uh, Native American tribes throughout the United States because, you know, they're all the Tainos in their own way. And um, and then you, you go back and forth with maybe like, you know, Standing Rock or something like that. But, uh, you know, but that is a good point. It's like we don't really have the same victories in the United States that – that they had, and I don't even want to say the victories they have in South America. It was no, that know, one victory, but yeah, I was, I was like, huh, like you, you could very well do an American version of this. Though. It would ring false, I think. Yeah. Like I wouldn't trust them to do it uh, accurately. Taylor Sheridan, or- <laughs> yeah, like I just don't think that it would be done in the same way. I feel like it would be, you know, it would somehow be like pro capitalism, and they they would definitely like change aspects of the story to to fit, you know the American dream theme, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I just, you know, so like, I feel like that's what we do. Every time we take like a foreign film and we remake it, we, we lose an aspect of what made it so special. I think that's a really valid point actually. So thanks for bringing it up. Um, and it's interesting you say that because you're like, Oh, it will be like this, you know, this pro capitalist film. So I had to watch this one movie in college that, um, I did not realize was preparing me for who I am now, because um, <laughs> a big part a big part of my college education was taking movies and analyzing them and analyzing the social and political themes within them, and that's exactly <laughs> that's how the podcast happened. Like I never looked for that stuff in movies before certain classes, but um, there's this one, and it, uh, the moment where all of the women are the ones who are confronting the the multinational people, it reminded me of this movie that came out in '54 called Salt of the Earth. And uh, I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis. I've heard of it. But I've never seen it. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to have to, we'll do it on the podcast one day. Um, wow, made for only 250000 Anyway, um, at New Mexico's Empire Zinc Mine, Mexican-American workers protest the unsafe work conditions and unequal wages compared to their Anglo counterparts. Ramon Quintero helps organize the strike, but he is shown to be a hypocrite by treating his pregnant wife, Esperanza, with a similar unfairness. When an injunction stops the men from protesting, however, the gender roles are reversed and women find themselves on the picket lines while the men stay at home. Hmm. 
So that's that's the basic thing. And like, you know, I also put in uh, into the show notes a bit about women in labor history, uh, which is brought to you by the Zinn Education Project dot org. Uh, <laughs> once again, in the name of Howard Zinn. Um, but a little bit more about Salt of the Earth is that this this movie was it had a lot going against it. And uh, I just want to read an excerpt from history dot uh, history dot com. It says it required a great deal of optimism to make a left leaning movie like Salt of the Earth in the 1950s. But director Herbert Biberman. Biberman Biberman was, by many accounts, a great optimist. The director of now-forgotten films such as Meet Nero Wolf and The Master Race, Bieberman, 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 had helped found the Screen Directors Guild, which later became the Directors Guild of America. He was also a communist and one of many movie professionals who found inspiration in the Soviet Union, hmm. or at least what dictator Joseph Stalin allowed the world to see of the Soviet Union. Um, and this last part, throughout the 1930s, the Communist Party USA remained active in Hollywood, establishing guilds to give writers and actors bargaining clout against the studios and fighting against fascism abroad by championing the Spanish Republic and rallying against the Third Reich. So there, there was a lot to do with, you know, with the Red Scare and Hollywood and a lot of pro-union films were considered to be pro-communist films as well. Which, which, you know, it blows my mind because how many, you know, like conservative union workers now are so anti-communist. Meanwhile, like the whole, you know, like cornerstone of communism is the working class and, and standing up for the working person. And like, that's exactly what unions are. But yeah, so this is very salt of the earth to me because that movie itself does have like a lot of women like throwing their bodies in the way for the cause. And right. that's kind of what this reminded me of. Um, but I was like, oh, holy shit. And it's so funny. I didn't know that that communism actually was that big in the U.S. at one point. And, you know, that's probably why some of like the greatest creative works are like have like pro-socialist, anti-capitalist messages. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you ever heard of the Pink Tide? I don't think so. It, so that was like the um, the wave of leftism uh, in Latin America. Like it was, you know, as all these countries became socialist or, or democratic socialist. And it was pretty much, you know, from like the early 2000s through like 2012 to, to 2015, when uh, unfortunately a lot of them were toppled or, you know, uh, the you know conservatives took over the countries again. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's just interesting that, uh, you know, I, I kind of, I, I can't remember where I saw this, but I read that it was kind of almost like a way of um, bucking the the imperialist, you know, takeover by, by going such a left way, right. Like of, of getting rid of the, the, the remnants of these, these conquerors. Um, and I think that's, it's wow. really interesting, you know, that, that, that was the way they, they chose to do it in, in modern day Latin America. I did not know that. This this has been a very educational episode, yeah, I think. It has. But uh but yeah, Ty, what what else what else did you have about this film? Do you have any fun facts or just other notes? Just just a couple more notes. Um one was the fact that they used live live rounds against the protesters. I thought that was uh you know, pretty insane. What? Yeah, I don't know if you caught that. They over the radio they start talking about how um, they start using live rounds, uh, and and you see bodies. I thought you falling. meant behind the fucking scenes, Ty. I'm oh sorry. no, no, no! I no. thought they like went with like you know like less lethal rounds. I was like, man, they really went method. They <laughs> no, using no. I meant the actual protest. <laughs> 
But, I guess that sounds. But even the fact, right. you know, like it, it's already deadly enough using like a rubber bullet, for example. But then the fire actual rounds into protesters, and that's why, you know, you had people like like Balin, who's who's bleeding to death because they were so severely injured. Um, I thought the the brutality of the police and the army was uh, pretty appalling to see. Um, and actually, I want to cut you off real yeah. quick just to just to mention that like it is uncanny how well this film translates over to an American perspective, mostly because of that, because of the uprising. Like, like we are, I, I know I, I've said it before and I'll say it a few more times, we are a country built on protest. Now, that whole protest was, you know, a lot of protests have been done by white people uh, who, 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 might have, who might not have been great people overall in history. Um, you know, but, but overall, like, you know, the more I learn about just like how many, most of them have been labor and class protests, though. Like there are the race ones, but the labor and class protest ones are the ones that really bring out the military, and you know that's always the case. They always have to bring out the military to to strike people down. And while this movie takes place in 2010 and is based on the Cochabamba Water Wars of uh, 97 through 99, um, it still is very very applicable to today, which is which is terribly unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have a bunch of pro- you have protesters, you have water protectors, you know, squaring up with with a militarized police force just just trying to to fight for their rights. And it, um, and it brings up a really valid point though, like why should anyone have to pay for water? It literally comes well, yeah. from the earth, right? Like the fact that there's private companies that control water and and sell it to you is is pretty fucking inhumane uh, no matter where you are. You know, but the, but it started off as a eurocentric thing. It like, did, yeah. Like cuz honestly like I've I haven't actually heard this from any of the native stuff I've been listening to or reading about, but like I'm pretty sure giving the land back to them just means giving the land just not owning it. Like because they didn't own the land either. They yep. didn't even view it as owning anything. You know, the Euro- Europeans were the ones who came over and made it that way. Like I just don't understand how people can come here, claim a certain piece of land and then just own it like have people pay for that this public piece of earth and then you set up lines and then when people cross those lines you get mad at them and give them hysterectomies it just really yeah. doesn't make any sense when you look at it from from such a you know uh a, i guess outside the glass point of view like you know outside looking in um but yeah that's what it is and that's yeah. the whole title of the movie right he says even the rain he's like even the rain that falls on our heads we can't even collect the water that's given to the earth we can't collect the water that falls on our heads they're they're privatizing even the rain they're privatizing everything yep and i was like oh shit you yeah know? imperial imperialists only want one thing and it's fucking disgusting <laughs> well, that was a good use of that. Thank you, that thank nice. you. They do, man. They're fucking capitalists and shit. Oh, scumbags. Bro. Um, what else, I got? Oh, so the, you know, the scene where they're they're burning um, Daniel's character and, and you know other native characters alive, right, as an example oh, to the people. Yes, yes. Hot to his death. Right. It's Love a it. it's a great it's a great scene. You know, when they all start screaming his name and. Editor Mike Booch coming in here to let you know that uh, we didn't actually discuss what Hatwe said during his death, and it was so badass that I had to break into the podcast and tell you. So in the movie, even the rain, uh, they they show him burning at the stake, and and one of the priests says, you know, you have to know the difference between heaven and hell, and you know, uh, I'll baptize you that way you can be forgiven for your sins and and go to heaven. And Hatwe asks. Do Christians go to heaven? And the priest says, yeah, good Christians do. And he spits in the priest's face, kicks the crucifix out of his hand and says, then send me to hell. 
Uh, according to a resource that I'll include in the show notes, he actually said, his last words were, I would rather burn in hell forever than spend one day in paradise with Spaniards. So I thought that was pretty fucking awesome. You know, fuck the colonizers. And uh, yeah, that, that, was, that was just, that was amazing. Um, anyway, enjoy the rest of the episode. Thanks for listening this far. And uh, someone was like, you know, now they'll nev- his name will live on forever. They'll never forget it. It's this really great scene. It's really inspiring. And then right afterwards, the police come to arrest Daniel. And what happens, right? All the people rise up and they t- literally topple the cop car, tackle the cops, yeah, right, who have guns in their hands and let Daniel escape. And it was so surreal seeing these modern day police arresting them in their their you know native outfits from the from the scene that was so great yeah you know it was just like wow it's still fucking happening right like like it's right there in front of you and i think that was also a big moment for for costa too that he he sees that because he actually runs over goes calm down right he he steps in front of the police with their guns out and tries to protect you know the the extras Um, you know what he totally did not even recognize it that early yeah like it wasn't like a big moment i'm gonna ride or die bro yeah but (laughs) yeah like he's he's even realizing like this is going way too far we you know i can't just stand here and let this happen um and you know i think that's kind of the beginning of like his arc really changing there uh, and I want—I want to do want to talk about the the very end, you know, where where Costa goes to talk to Daniel, and you know, Daniel's very emotional, and and you know, he's Perfect. got tears in his eyes, you know, and and he says to him, you know, uh, they're they're basically just talking. Even the rain, and, even yeah, the rain. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> they're talking about what's coming next, you know. And Costa says um, to Daniel, he'll help him with Balin. Um, and Dan, you know, he asks him what he's going to do, and Daniel says he'll survive like always because that's what they do best. Um, and then he asks Costa if he'll ever come back, and he says no. You know, he's very honest. Says I don't think so. Uh, and you know, as much as he, you know, he cares about them and he wants to help them and do the right thing, he won't come back here. He won't. He won't put himself in this position again. And that's his privilege, right? That's something that that he's that he gets to have. That he gets to go home to Spain, where he's you know fairly wealthy, um, and and gets to live his life you know free and 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 you know not scared like these people do um but you know it's it's still it's a nice moment they have that emotional embrace and and daniel gives him that that gift which you know he opens and, it, and it's water right it's it's the water they fought so hard to 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 save and keep free um and he gives yeah, it it's to, bobby boucher's little bottle that he has at the <laughs> end of water boy there you go it's always cold it's always cold the water <laughs> it's always cool. Uh, yeah, and I just thought that was a, it was a great little little moment, a little symbol, you know, of what what Daniel was fighting for that whole time, and that Costa finally understood at the end. He finally got it. You know that 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 was beautiful because you know the more I thought about it, the more I'm like like that was the water that they fought for. But guess what? Costa made him made himself a part of that fight too. He did. He put him. You know, he put his body on the line a couple of times. Obviously, not as much as somebody like Daniel did. You know, he was a he was a tourist, but you know that that was his keepsake. That was yep. you know the water that he he put his body on the line for. You know, and I thought that that was really great. Yeah, it was great. You know, they they, they didn't go for like like white savior where he's the one like ended the protest. You know, all he did was just drive <laughs> yeah. and and you know get his daughter to safety. It was Daniel and his people that did that, but. You know, yeah, again, like you one said, one person, yeah, with but, his privilege. But still, you know, it was a, still a symbol. Like, hey, you know, you you still helped us earn this, so you know, never forget that. You know, ho- and hopefully that that does stay with him. 
Uh, and I also thought, you know, it was interesting that Costa does mention he has a son, right? A 14-year-old son. Um, and Anton asks him, you know, what's he like? And, and Costa says, I don't know. I don't really know. Oh, he yeah. lives with his he mom. With his like he does. And I felt like that maybe was a little bit of why he also got closer with Balin, uh, Balin you know, like he he didn't have yeah, that relationship with point. his his own child from his job, right? It pulled him away. And, you know, while he doesn't talk about it a lot, you know, here he is bonding with, with this other child. And I think maybe, you know, hopefully when he gets back home, that's something that sticks with him. And he, he does reach out and he does try to fix that relationship. Yeah, man. That What a... What a great arc! What a what a great a great film! Yeah, um, yeah. Um, you know, I uh, it's good, man. It's really good. Also, listen to the outtakes if you want to hear a little more about my opinions on Columbus. Um, and you know what? Because because partially I I was thinking, oh, let's make this also a Columbus bashing episode. But I'm so glad that we didn't because it's not about him. No, you know what I mean? No, it's not his it's, story at all. You know, think would take him out and think of all you've learned, just like uh, Monica said in that one episode of Yellowstone, out of uh, thirty fucking episodes. That <laughs> don't have to do. Yeah, I mean, even Anton, who played Columbus, you know, he really empathized with these people. At the end, you know, he gets out and he's giving them water, and you know, he's not escaping. He's not running away on that plane. He, I think, he even says at one point, like, we owe it to them to tell their story. I think, meaning, you know, the original film they were they were making, but at the same time. You know he he does understand that these people are suffering, um, and it, it's it's a huge moment for everyone to realize. And I wish Sebastian did too. It's sad that the only thing he could focus on is his film, but uh, you know I think they, yeah. they tell a good story here. I think I think that is actually a great. I mean, my last thought will be based off that off that sentiment, and it's that it's it, it's like you always say, everyone has a part to play, right? You may not be the person on the front lines. You may not be able to be, but in this movie, everybody plays their part. Uh, even Anton gets out and helps a little bit. You know, the one woman is filming it. Um, you know, Costa, he does a little more than the other people. But even then, like, as far as, like, what the actual uh, water warriors are doing, he's not doing that much. But he does a little bit. He uses his privilege to save one life. And, and, and that's, you know, that's enough. Like he, and once again, it is his privilege. This movie is about how to be an ally. You know, don't just talk, don't just give platitudes. Don't just host a third rate podcast with your best friend as an excuse to actually get to talk to him for an hour a week, you know, <laughs> actually do something. Don't just sew some patches onto a vest and then never go to any protests, <laughs> you know? You know, actually do something. Yeah, I do think something. that's the message of the movie. You know what's crazy? It, it, Bolivia was not free from from Spanish rule until 1825. That's a long time. Is that late? Is that a long time? That's a pretty long time, man. You got to think about the 1800s was, uh, you know, almost Civil War times. And, and it started probably when? 14, 1500s? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, when did Columbus sail in 14... 1492 1492 right and you know uh a venezuelan um man actually liberated like all all these these latin american countries peru and bolivia and you know it it took it took fighting and and wars and bolivia actually got its name from his name his name is uh simon bolivar but i thought that you know his story is very interesting I, i can we can link it in the show notes but uh yeah you know just they and even today, they're still really not free, right? Like, like no one's really free, uh, and that's that's really no, sad. No, no, no one, no one really is. Um, 
they're only like allowed to exist to an extent. Uh, but you know, like we said in the last episode, existence is resistance to an extent. So, yeah. So those of you who are uh, feeling like Mr. Miracle did in that one uh, book, um, I don't want to bring up the S word right now. But uh, listen, existence is resistance. So the best best thing you could do is just exist. Um, and uh, that that is that is it for me. What about for yourself, Ty? You good? That's it. That's what I got. Dude, thanks so much for suggesting this movie. This was uh your a movie your girlfriend knew about, correct? Yeah, she uh, she showed it to me last year. Uh, we watched it together, and we were both were pretty impressed with it. So tell her to keep them coming, man. Tell her yeah. to keep them coming. I'm I'm all for it. This concludes our Indigenous Spotlight Month. It is actually it, I think it's been like one of my favorite in a while, even more so than the horror one. Uh, yeah, it's been a good know, one. Just, we've learned a lot. I think we've learned a lot. That's. That's honestly why, and and hopefully if you're listening to this, you have too, and really, we are just the tip of the iceberg. Go to the show notes and sources. There's lots of useful information. Yeah, we're just trying to get you interested in it, you know, but hopefully it does, and you want to learn a little bit more because it's the only way we can improve and get better, right? We got to learn this stuff. We literally have to learn history to to not repeat it, which we so unfortunately don't don't practice but uh yeah i mean like today is is it's literally just yesterday but like you know with a new coating of paint on it like things things are yeah. very very similar in the meantime in between time pop heads please make sure that uh whatever podcast you're listening to us on that you rate and review us and subscribe make sure those episodes get downloaded helps us a lot even if you don't listen to them right away uh if you're following us on youtube that's awesome thank you make sure you're liking the video subscribe to the channel and support us via patreon for as little as three dollars a month you can be part of what keeps this podcast going and have access to a variety of exclusive content for your eyes and ears only you can find us on twitter at politipop pod find us on instagram at politipop podcast uh email us at politipopcast at gmail.com and as always find our show notes and sources at politipoppodcast.wordpress.com uh special thanks to all of you listeners uh Godspeed on this uh, Thanksgiving Day week uh, or, you know, Indigenous Peoples Day, whatever you want to call it. Uh, good luck to all of you who are, are actually seeing family and good luck if it's <laughs> it's more than 10 people. Um, <laughs> yes. But, uh, but yes, and uh, special thanks to all of you and to Antonia Chaba for logo design. For the Politipop Podcast, I've been Mike Booch. I've been Ty. And no matter what you're eating, no matter what you're thinking, no, no matter what you're watching, <laughs> uh, listening to, reading, remember to never stop thinking, never stop learning, uh, make America indigenous again, and always read between the lines. And scene. Aha!